Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about this morning and what the, we're going through, but I want to invite a friend of mine up, uh, Greg Tip. Greg and Suzanne Tipton are dear, dear friends for the last, gosh, 20-plus years they've been around. She is actually uh, one of my favorite because when she goes sideways, it never happens often, you know, but just... Every other week, I get to call her. No, we get, I'm kidding. Okay, you, am I in trouble already? Okay, good. Um, uh, Suzanne is just, uh, she's been an incredible, you can come this way. You, you, come on, I'm telling you why. She, <laughs> she's been an incredible uh, pastor to my wife and friend to us, both Greg and Suzanne. So thank you for your wisdom and all that you bring to my family. I know, I know I'm a lot of work to work with, and I'm sure there are stories, but okay. Okay, let's talk about it. All right, Greg, Greg is, uh, again, a, a great friend. Greg um, has started a number of missionary ministries, and how many people have you reached there and gone out and preached to thus far? A lot. A lot. Uh, tens of thousands. Tens of thousands in how many countries? 26 different countries, and he has started a new ministry, and we're going to get involved. And I wanted him to, uh, in December, uh, what's the date? 16th. 16th. There's a four, five, why don't I just tell you, tell, you know what, you go. <laughs> well, it's great to be here. You know, I've, John and Chris are dear friends of ours, but I, you know, Jed and Claire Seneca, oh, yeah. we got two decades with them, Melvin and Ramona Cobb. I remember as a campus minister at Long Beach State, I met Melvin. I mean, that was 30 years ago. Wow. And so we just have a, a love for Southern California. I grew up in Southern California, uh, went to school at the University of Hawaii. So what was our Gonzaga girl, Emma? Yes, she's back with the kids already. See, Emma's already serving. back with the kids. Yeah. Well, I had, uh, I had a radical encounter with Jesus as a college student changed my life and just affected everything about me. So when we talk about young people, it's everything. And so I remember when I got saved as a senior in college, the guy that led me to the Lord, he said, you need two things to obey God. You need two things in your walk with God. You need a Bible to learn about God, and you need a passport to obey God. <laughs> and I remember that thing that something stuck in me, and I, I, I made a promise to the Lord, I'm going to go to the nations and I'm going to take other people with me. And so I've had the privilege. I've gone all over. Uh, but what happens when you take a step out? You know, one of the things that I do, I have, we all have phones. I have an alarm set on my phone at 938 every single day. I've been doing this for years and years. The Bible says in Matthew 938, it says, The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. And I think the dream is, is that we as people, as, as followers of Christ, there's something inside of us that God wants to use us for people. And really just to obey the, obey the word and to go to the nations. 
And so, uh, as John said, we've been talking. I've been going to Baja, Mexico, leading teams for literally, uh, I think it's this is my 13th year. We work with a ministry down there. We build houses. We build churches. We preach in the streets. We go in the prisons. We do camps and fiestas. And that's all within five or six days. And then you leave something behind. And what happens inside of you is something bigger than just a few days in another country or right down the road. There's something that happens inside of you. God gives you a bigger heart for people that might not be like you, and something transforms. So John and I have been talking about this. I love church plants. I love excitement. I love messiness. I love things. But my prayer is that we as a people would say, you know what? I want to be a part. So we're going to go. I'm taking 100 people with me from different cities across America. So wait, that means you only need like 30 more after us. Well, here's the thing about it is, is that we're going to Mexico. and This will be our first time we're trying a winter trip. So we're going right after the fall semester, right before Christmas, December 16th to the 20th. And we're going down there, and then we'll go in the spring, we'll go in the summers and different things. But my prayer, and John and I have been talking about this, is that we as a, as a people would get in a culture where we want to be missional people. Because when, you, when something happens inside of you in Mexico, then what happens is we see our neighbors different. Yeah. We see that the kingdom, man, God can use my life right where I'm at. We've taken seven-year-olds to 78-year-olds. So I think that all of us fit in that category today. So we'll hear more about it, but I am excited to be here, and I pray, I pray that God lights a fire in you, that you, that the world would watch you burn because of what Jesus has done inside of you. So, Lord, I thank you for our church. I thank you for John and Chris. Lord, even today as we open the word, as we go and go after you, Lord, do something inside of us to allow us to participate with you. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen. Amen. Thank you. Chris, will you hand me my Bible? And no, I've never table danced. (laughs) But he's being modest. He was the quarterback at University of Hawaii, held every major record there until the next guy, and, uh, <laughs> but was a stud of a quarterback, played a little bit with Kansas City, and yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing with Tippy is I, I don't like to usually get him up here because he puts people to sleep. He's just real, so calm, you know, and he doesn't get excited, and people start, you know. I love this man's passion. It is, it is contagious. It is contagious, and I'm like, where are we going to battle? I'm following you. I'm following you, because there's a there's just good man. Which leads into you know the, the message I'm preaching today. Just on the heels of that is is brilliant. We've been talking over the summer. We asked two questions: Who's eating your fruit, and what are they eating? We said this that 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 we want to turn the soils of our soul so that God may plant seeds that fruit, healthy fruit would come forth so that your neighbors, your friends, your family members, whoever it would be, would be wanting, would, would be willing to just take a bite. That it, you look at this apple and it's sweet. I just took a bite. I can't swallow it, but it's sweet and it just tastes good. <laughs> good going down. It is, it is so good. Now, is this? are people eating this off your life or are they eating this? 
Have you eaten a bad banana lately? Uh, mushy and brown. And, 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 and the, the, the problem is that we're trying to identify is this, is that on too many Christians' life, the fruit that is produced is that rotten banana. And people are eating it and they're going, I don't want that. And it's not a representation of the Jesus that I know, the Jesus in this Bible. So the question we've been asking ourselves is this, who's eating your fruit and what are they eating? And we're taking this summer to go, let's turn the soil. Let's turn the soil and let's do something about that. And we've talked about chasing happiness. It's, it's insatiable. We talked about mixing in hope. We've talked about Jesus being the rock, the fear of the Lord, resilient Christianity. And then today we're talking about reinstated. And I want you to stay with me. It's, this is kind of like a Quentin Tarantino. I'm going to start at the end. I'm going to go to the beginning and then I'm going to finish in the middle. You know, his movies, you watch, I mean, I don't watch it, they're rated R, of course not. But if you, I've read this article that talks about he likes to go out of sequence in his movies. And his latest one in Hollywood that, I, of course, I did not see was, yes. Okay, reinstated. Here we go. Um, I, I want to start off with reading this in Acts 2, 33 through 41. To set it up, this is Peter. Now, I'm not reading the whole thing. This is Peter, the apostle. This is the disciple of Christ. And he's, he's preaching this message, and it says this, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and he's passionate. I imagine him a lot like Tippy. He's up there, and he's just going at it. He says this, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seen and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Wait a second. He's saying, you people out there, you crucified Jesus. It's a powerful statement. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brother, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you, your children, and all those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation, so that those who received the word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let me pray. Father, have mercy. Oh God, speak to us. Give us ears to hear. Lord, let me speak your words and move mine aside. Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would fall on this place and that you would deliver us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I love this. They say to Peter as he preaches this passionate message, what shall we do? And very clearly, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's preaching the gospel, the restoration of men unto God. They say, what shall we do? And it's a question that when your eyes are open, when you're sitting in Mexico with a bunch of kids and, and you're, you're, you're speaking the words of life, they go, what should you do? What do I, just tell me what to do. And you lead them into the hope of Christ Jesus. But this is what blows me away. It says, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people 
This, this number is, is significant. 3,000 people after this passionate message that Peter preaches. People are moved. They're not sleeping. They're not walking away for coffee and donuts. They're, they're enthralled, and 3,000 people get saved. Now, that's a significant number because there's another number that, that we see with Peter that has a three to it. It's three times. See, because he, here's what's mind-blowing. This, this Peter who just preached this phenomenal message, 3,000 people get saved, he denied Jesus three times. From 3,000 getting saved, now let's go back to where he denied Jesus three times. The first time in Luke it says, and after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl seeing him as he sat in the fire, or firelight and looked uh, intently at him said, this man was with him too. But he denied it saying, woman, I do not know him. What's going through his head? What's, you know what's going through his head? The same thing that goes through my head when I deny Jesus. It's not in a, in a fire pit for the most part or with a bunch of people around going, hey, you're one of those Christians. It's in my sin. It's when I go, God, I got a better plan. So I'm going to drink this, smoke this. I don't smoke. Smoke this, watch this, do this, yell at this. What, what, when I do anything that deviates from what God's word says, I go, no, 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 I, I don't really know him. And he does this again, second time. This is all in a short period of time. A little later, another, another saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I'm not. I'm not one of them. And then again, and you know, and, and have you ever been in that place where you go, God, why did I sin, do that exact same sin again? Is, is, am I the only idiot in here? You just go, did you just say yes? That literally, did that just literally come from your mind out into your, <laughs> you were talking about him, not me, of course. I love you. You're so good, Gina. You, not only do you correct my grammar, you correct my life. I love it. I, yes, I am, not the only one. It, it is this, you know, where you're like, sin, and then another sin, same sin, and then the same sin again and again and again and again. I'm denying Jesus, I deny Jesus, I deny Jesus. And I look at this picture of Peter and go, you know, when I step back from him and go, how could this guy deny Jesus after everything went on? He'd not look any further than my life or yours. The third time, after about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, I mean, he was, it says he insisted, certainly this man also was with him, for he is a, a Galilean too. But Peter said to the man, I don't know who you are talking about. Denies Jesus. Now, the, the power of this really comes from what happened before Peter denies Jesus three times. Think about this. He had walked with Jesus for three years. Many of you have walked with Jesus for 30 years. Many of you walked with Jesus since you're little kids. And, and this Peter, you know, he, he knows of this plot to kill Jesus, and Jesus talks about the one who's going to betray him, and Peter's in on the thing. He hears it all. He's with the disciples at Passover. They're in this upper room, and the first supper comes, the Lord's Supper, and he's engaged, and Jesus talks about the one who's going to betray him, and, 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 and then, you know, Jesus foretells Peter's denial. Jesus prays in the Mount of Olives, and it's just passionate, and tears are like blood. Peter's sleeping. 
The, the, he sees all this happen. He sees the betrayal and the arrest, the arrest of Jesus from Judas. So in his mind, he's got to be thinking, hey, here it comes, here it comes, everything that Jesus said. I'm not going to get myself in that position to deny him like he said I was. Because I know what's happening because Jesus already told me. Yet, you and me already know what's happening, and we know that God gave us grace. But we still make this choice in life to sin. Three times. Three hundred times. Three thousand times. And, and, and Peter knows what's coming down the pipe. He denies Jesus three times. Not unlike me or you. Peter denies Jesus three times. And then we see, fast forward, him preaching and 3,000 people get saved. What happens between denying Jesus and 3,000 people getting saved? Something happened. It's not the same guy. What happened is this, John 21, 15 through 19. I love this scripture. I love this scripture. Between Peter denying Christ in a small period of time, three times, having heard all that was going on, knowing what was going on, knowing Christ is getting crucified, and then, and then Christ getting crucified, and then he preaches this message with these 3,000 people getting saved. John 21 is right in the middle of it, and it's this. Now remember, Jesus had been crucified. Peter had already denied uh, Jesus. But he hadn't preached the message yet where 3,000 got saved. It says this in John 21. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these, he said to him, Jesus, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him in a, a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he said to him. Tend, my sheep, tend to my sheep. He says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved at this time because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus ask, do you love me? Three times. Is it coincidence? Is it, is it did just randomly Jesus goes, I'm going to roll with a three? <laughs> or is there a principle? Is there a hope? Is there, is there something in there that is so needed so that we preach to 3,000 people and they get saved. Is there something in here between, hey, Jesus, here I go with that sin again. Oh, God, help me. And this, I'm standing in Mexico and kids are getting saved. Is there something in between there? Absolutely. John 21. John 21. Jesus reinstates Peter. And he doesn't reinstate Peter just for himself. He reinstates Peter for the 3,000 plus that he's preaching the gospel to. He reinstates Peter so that he would go forth and the gospel would go forth and people would get saved. Not so Peter can feel better about himself, although Peter's got to feel better about himself. 
and, and we live in this world of Christianity and getting my butt kicked and getting our butt kicked and down and ah, I sinned again and I sinned again and we wonder what one of the missing main ingredients to preaching the gospel with because we say things like, ah, I've never really preached the gospel. Ah, I don't feel uncomfortable. And, and it's, I am convinced that this is one of the main principles. You've got to be reinstated and restored. And we get this group of Christians that are walking around beaten down and, and you know, ah, and, and their sin beats them down and God goes, I want to restore you. Not only so you can pull your shoulders back and have hope and, and walk in freedom, but so that that person who doesn't know me will hear the gospel. Oh, so good. Now this is interesting how he, resta- he reinstates them. He says, do you love me? That statement, do you love me, is always connected to others in the Bible. Never, when, I, when I read the Bible, it's never, do you love me? Okay, great, you love me, move on. It's always connected, then, then go. Do you love me? Then go. We built this Christianity in, in this country that says, do you love Jesus? Raise your hand and you love Jesus. Now go home and watch whatever you want, do whatever you want. Don't worry about your neighbor who's dying and going to hell apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. The reality of that has to sit in here somewhere. So Jesus, as he's reinstating Peter, he doesn't say, oh, I'm glad you love me. He says this, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Hey, Peter, let me do it again because the three, hey, do you love me? Yes. Then go tend to my sheep. Hey, Peter. And I don't know if Peter got it all at that time. I don't know if he got it later, he got it then. I I don't know, but he had to at some point sat back and go, wait a second, Jesus, because he was a little offended right here. He's like, well, you know I love you, Jesus. At some further point down the line, he's probably thinking, gosh, it doesn't register right away in my head. He was doing it the three times because I had denied him three times. Oh, this all makes sense now. But he says, do you love me? It's always connected with others. Feed my lamb. What does that mean? Feed people truth of the word. He's saying, give, give, give people the truth of my hope. Give people the truth of forgiveness, of grace. Give them the truth of what that sin is going to do in their life if they continue in it. Give them the truth of heaven and hell. Don't round the corners like we're trying to do in society today. Don't round the corners of right and wrong. Give them the truth and let my spirit do what my spirit might do. Remember he said, I'll I'll bring the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, feed my lambs with the truth. Tend to my sheep. What does it mean to tend to your sheep? It means to love your neighbors well. It means to love others well. It means this. When, when your, your pastor is, is, is jacked up his shoulder legitimately, I didn't do it on purpose, and, and you're moving, it means this. So many of you sit in my house and moving stuff while I'm trying to direct. At what point my wife says, we don't need you to direct, just leave because it doesn't help us. But it looks like this, the church coming around and loving someone well. It looks like us going and, and spending time with people who are hurting. It looks like us bringing food to those who don't have food. It looks like us when we, we get outside of ourselves and we show them the love of Jesus. Tend to my sheep. says the third time, feed my sheep. It seems similar, feed my lamb. I, I differentiate it in that, and I needed to do a deeper study, so if I'm wrong, rebuke me. Um, feed my lambs. Lambs are, are babies that are, are just getting the word. 
then you love on them. And then feed my sheep to me is discipleship. They're maturing as sheep, maturing as a, as, as a disciple, is walking with people through all their stuff. It is that discipleship where I'm with you, I'm with you, let's do it. It is, you know, Melvin and I had breakfasts, and, and it says iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens iron. It's us standing together, and I, I know that if he needs me, I'm there. If, I'm, if, if I need him, he's there. It's, it's, it's encouraging one another. It is loving one another. Others. Others. It, it, it's not disconnected. It's never disconnected. Do you love me? And, and others. It says this in Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. Then he goes here and he says, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, on these two commandments depends the law and the prophets. What does he say? If you love me, you will tend to my sheep. You'll love others. If you prioritize and you love me, then you can't but, but love others well. It's a natural outflow. has to happen. Unless you're the American church and we disconnect. I'm generalizing because when I paint, I'm painting with a broad brush. And I'm looking in the mirror also because I don't want to be disconnected from what I say and what the Bible says, what I say and what I do. But unfortunately, I, I work with enough churches, there is this gap in what we say and what we do. And we don't love others well. We don't love Jesus well. And we need to. See, with these three questions and instructions, Jesus reinstates Peter. And, and literally, as I'm looking at the word, it, to reinstate means to bring back into use, to restore to the previous position. Now, before Peter had denied Jesus, you remember, he was a bold uh, a disciple. He's the one who walked on water and, you know, crashed, and, and he was the one who was is always out there and, and talkative and all these, these things. It was, you know... It, he was the one you want out there, excited, preaching the gospel, but he had to be brought back to his position. He had to be restored by Jesus before he could preach this powerful message in Acts 2 so that 3,000 would be saved. And it's the same principle in your and I, both of our, all of our lives. It's this, that some of us are wrestling with sin and, and we have come to this place and allow God to restore us. We need to come to this place of forgiveness, of restoration, of grace, where Jesus literally says, do you love me? And you're able to go, yes, Lord, I leave you. Then feed my sheep. And this gap that happens in our lives is this. We, we, you know, Jesus says, do, we, do you love me? And we just kind of let it sit there. And then we go, you know, we don't repent and we don't humble ourselves. And then over here, we wonder why people aren't getting changed in our life. And God goes, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Go and feed my sheep. And I know in my mind that there's a connection here, and the connection is his word. And when I read his word, I fall in love with him. And I see and experience and taste in his grace. And I can't help but preach the gospel. He restores us so that you may not sit in front of 3,000, or there's more than 3,000 that day, 3,000 got saved. You might not sit in front of those big crowds, but let me tell you, maybe it's one. 
And let me tell you this, to that one, all the difference in the world. I don't remember his name, and we've talked about it before, but who's the guy that discipled Billy Graham and, and, and took him through Sunday school? That tells you that the truth and the significance that we don't even think. I can't remember his name. And the guy touched hundreds of millions of people, Billy Graham, because one man decided or called to preach the gospel to Billy Graham and run him through his Sunday school and tell him what it means to be an evangelist. He reinstates Peter. Some of us in here today need to be reinstated. God wants to reinstate us. Here's the problem. Jesus, or the good thing, Jesus uses imperfect people who love him to tell others about his grace. So why aren't we producing fruit? The rooster. And I'm not talking about the Allison Chain song, Rooster, <laughs> which is a great song, but... <laughs> The reason we're not producing fruit is the rooster. It says this, but Peter said, man, I don't know what, what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. What did Jesus say? Before the, crow, or before the, the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. The problem is the rooster, and here, here it is. The, the rooster reminds us of, uh, us of our sin, not God's grace. Now think about this. In, 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 in those times, how often does a rooster crow? Does anybody have a rooster? No. <laughs> Every morning. And then we're in these times, there's roosters everywhere. This, this isn't, you know, this is an egalitarian society that's, you know, there's roosters everywhere. Which means this. Jesus says this statement to Peter, you know, when the rooster crows... You'll have denied me three times. Think of the remembrance. Now you know the rest of your life, you're going to hear a rooster crow in the morning. You go, oh, God, that's when I denied your son. The remembrance of the rooster crowing every morning. Peter gets up, there's that rooster again. Ah, how do I kill all the roosters? You know what the enemy does? There you go, that's sin. And you wake up in the morning and you go throughout your day and he goes, that rooster crows. And you know what you think about? You think about your sin. See, if Peter would have stayed in this place of, oh, that rooster. God, I denied Jesus again. Oh, I denied Jesus again. The rooster crowed. Oh, I did. every morning, Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day, Groundhog Many of us sit in Groundhog Day. God goes, no, 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 no. When the rooster crows, when the enemy comes and lies to you, that's where you go, God's grace is sufficient. That's the point where I stand tall and go, no, no, no. Jesus paid the price on the cross. I don't have to walk in this anymore. There's a freedom in that. And Peter understood this, and he preached, and 3,000 people got saved because he didn't think the rooster was about his sin, but the rooster was about God's grace that came through his son, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for him. And some of us in here, we've got, we've got to come out of this place and allow God to restore us and, 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 and reinstate us into this game, and we've got to get out of that beating ourselves up and allowing the enemy to beat us up with our old sin, and we've got to walk in the grace and the forgiveness, and we've got to remember when the rooster comes and the rooster speaks, we go, no, God's grace is sufficient. I'm not who you say I am. I am who Jesus says I am and who this Bible says I am. Big difference. We have to allow Jesus to reinstate us in the game every day. See, this, this, this game that he's called us to walk in every single day. When I don't allow him to restore me, 
Everything just kind of goes sideways. It's through awareness, humility, grace, and others, and I'll roll through these real quick. We have to allow Jesus to reinstate us in the game daily. I need to be aware daily, and the awareness I need to have daily is this. Now, what then? Are we Jews or better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all both Jew and Greek are under sin. As it is written, no one is righteous, not even one. I have to wake up. I have to look and say, I left unto myself, there is nothing good in me. Left unto myself, apart from the Holy Spirit and Jesus, I will make the wrong choices today. The self-awareness of who I am has to sit before me each and every day or I head down the wrong path. Secondly, we have to walk in humility. How does God reinstate us through his son? Luke 18, as he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Some of us have been begging, oh God, help me. Oh God, oh God, oh God. But we don't allow him to come in and restore. This blind man is sitting begging and hearing a crowd going by. He inquired, what does this meant? Uh, They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's a point in my life where I have to come to this place of humility where I realize that all my mistakes and everything that I'm building that causes a pain in my life has to be restored by Jesus. And the way that he restores me is through humility and accepting that it is only through his blood and only through the cross that I can be all that he's called me to be. And this man is blind and he's got nothing and he's begging. I need help. I need help. And he hears Jesus. He goes, oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. Oh, Jesus, do in me a miracle. And some of our prayers need to be, oh, Jesus, do in me a miracle this morning. Do that. Let me see today, Father. Let me see so that I might preach the gospel and that others may know you. How does Jesus reinstate us? Through grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's grace. I have to live in God's grace. You want God to, to reinstate you through his son Jesus? You have to live in his grace. You have to live in this place. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you've ever done. You don't deserve God's grace. That's the definition of grace it's a free gift and that God wants to take you and give you this free gift of grace so that not so that you sit in church twice a month and go to a Bible study therefore there's no condemnation for all of you that just came twice this month um, <laughs> not so you can just hey show up and punch your card so that you might preach the gospel so that your neighbor might know Jesus so that your husband, your wife, your son, your kids, whomever, might have a glimpse of hope that is Jesus. How does he reinstate us? Others. This isn't about me. And it's, it's so hard because I really love me. You can laugh. Serious. That's, she's laughing because she knows that she, the rest of you are too uptight, okay? Jeez. <laughs> Because you guys don't love yourselves that much, of course. This is so important because when Jesus grabbed a hold of my life and saved me, and I go, ah, cleaning all this up and doing his work in me and giving me a gift of this, this beautiful woman and, and my kids, all the gifts that he has given me, I get to realize this isn't about me, this is about others. And we're so caught up in our stuff that we forget about the others. 
and the hope that we can bring. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of this age. He sends us out. He says, go, go, go. Go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Go preach the gospel. And I'm not talking this preaching the gospel. I'm talking about loving your neighbors. Go preach the gospel. I'm talking about taking the time when the Holy Spirit says, stop, speak to them. Actually doing it. Having enough word in you having enough of this in you, eating this word and having it in you so much so that when someone asks a question, you're able to go, the only hope I have is Jesus and let me tell you about him. That's the answer. Jesus reinstates us for others. Not only so that you'll be in right relationship with God, but so that you Preach the gospel to others. So who's eating your fruit? Others are. Whether you like it or not, someone's grabbing fruit off your life. Let me tell you, if it's, if it's a sweet apple, they'll keep coming and they'll keep picking. And they'll keep picking until they're full. And that fullness is hope, the hope of Jesus Christ. Or... They'll come and they'll take a bite of the banana. And they might come back and try another bite later. But here's what happens. They go, I've eaten that banana before. Now, I, <laughs> that's a whole rabbit trail. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Who's eating your fruit? See, Jesus reinstates Peter for the 3,000. So he could preach the gospel, and 3,000 people got saved on that day. Who does he want to reinstate you for? Who does Jesus want you to be reinstated for? I don't know. Only you know that. Only you know that. I want us to start praying for others. Did I put that in there? I, I didn't get Eddie, can I uh, put some? Oh, you have... Sorry, guys. This is unplanned. I bet Rick Warren never goes down to the front row and digs around in his wife's purse, does he? Uh, I don't know what I did with it. I had these little prayer things. Look, can you look in the main bag back there? Um, here's what I want to start doing. We've spent this summer just tilling the soil in our souls. I want us to start praying for individuals. I, I, I want you. It's like a little little card, Eddie. It, look in the blue the blue thing so dang prepared today it's not even funny okay we'll get them to you next week but here here's what i'm i want to start doing i want us to start praying specifically for someone and god will place them on your heart it says in zechariah not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the lord of hosts i'm not asking you to do anything in your own strength because in your own strength you guys are going to screw it up i'll screw it up You know what I'm asking? That the Holy Spirit might come because you've tilled your soil in such a way that it's producing fruit and that someone that you're praying for might just take a bite of the apple. 
I'm going to ask you to pray daily. I've got these cards. Put them in your car. So, Oh, so good. Will you pass them around? Give me uh, one, and then you can pass. Here's my next challenge. Did I order enough? Um, <laughs> so it, it's got, on the back, it's got a, a, a place for, uh, to write in names. Here's what I'm asking. Over the next week, just think about who you might write in. Just put it in your car. Maybe put it on your, wind, your, uh, your mirror at your, at your house. And start praying for some people by name. Here's, here is my faith. Here's what I have believed for this series over the summer. That as we preached it and we turned up the soil in your soul and, and we allowed God to do something that as you produce this sweet fruit and we start praying for something, that we're going to hear stories of how people got radically saved and God used you to do it. Not me. I got my own that I'm praying for. But God used you because you have influence. You have influence. And he wants you to use your influence, your story. Some of you are going, ah, my story is not really good. I, no, I, there's not a story that I've ever heard that's not, not a good story. And when I look in this room and the men and women I know here, there are some powerful stories that need to be told. I want you in faith just next week write down four names and start praying for them. Ask God for them. Ask him for the opportunity. Watch what he might do. Watch what he's going to do. Watch what he's going to do. And we'll have stories of God's goodness and salvation stories and hope stories. I, I, we, I can't sit in this church and just... Let's come each week, sing Kumbaya, you know, hold hands. It's all right, you only came twice a month. It's all right, you don't tithe. It's all right. No, no, I don't, I don't believe any of that stuff. Some of you won't come back. That's all right. But those that you do, watch what God's going to do. So it's just exciting. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. This morning, God, your word. God, I thank you for the worship that just... Set the table, God, for uh, Greg's, Lord, challenge the mission field that just flows straight into your word, God. You just set it up. God, let us be a people who, who, who God, allow Jesus to restore us, to reinstate us into the game, that we might preach the gospel of hope. God, let us be a church that although not big in numbers, let us be strong and big in, in Christ Jesus and preaching the gospel. God, I pray a blessing over these men and women and say thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think, uh, Chris, you got something you wanted to say? Yeah, absolutely. That's all right. What do you mean sorry? week. Sorry. We had um, a little bit oh, of bruising, yeah, a lot of bruising in our home this week. And when John talks about how God wants to reinstate you for others, um, this message he couldn't have preached without God reinstating um, him. And we had a situation with one of our boys 
and there was some emotional reaction and there was there was hardship and there was it was messy and it was painful and it was all those things and um but I said you know what I'm going out of town and I refuse to have this going on while I'm gone and it went on for a couple days and I said this is what we're going to do we're coming together and we're going to have this talk and the one who didn't want to have the talk was like, I refuse to go. I don't want to look him in the face. I don't want to apologize. I don't want to hear what he has to say. I'm not apologizing. I didn't do anything wrong. It's all, you know, all of these things, all of these things. And there was great fear and there was great heaviness on him. And it was everything. He did not want to reconcile that. He did not want to come back and restore that. And the second, so it was like, okay, you stay here and you get ready for what you're going to say and you come with me and, and here we go. And that's kind of what the Holy Spirit does and he comes in and says, okay, here we go. This is all set up. And he walked in and the second he walked in, this one who wanted nothing to do with the other one ran, like ran to his father. I love you. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And there was instant reconciliation. There was forgiveness. There was love. There was all these things. And it's because we cannot stand up here and ask you to do anything that we are not doing. We're just never going to do that. And so when, when John Blue, I just want you to know, I don't know if you were going to share that or not, but when he stands up here and says that God is reconciling you and reinstating you for others, it's because he has walked through that as well. And that the others this morning was for us, right, so that you could share that message with us. So I so appreciate let that. Me, let me clarify for a child that may be in the room that may have been the one it, it was all on me it was just really powerful to watch it was my fault it was your fault was and, the, and fault. he took responsibility for that and the reconciliation and the power that came from that is what the holy spirit wants to do in us so when the enemy whispers to you when the enemy comes and says, don't run to the Father, he's not going to forgive you. He's still going to be angry at you. He's going to ground you for life. <laughs> then Two you, you look at the fear. You look at the fear and you say, you know what? My Father loves me. And the second that I'm reconciled to him, I can no longer hear your voice. And that is what we take to others. And if we don't have that understanding, we have nothing to give to anybody else. You know, as uh, we continue in worship, this is the time that we receive our offering and receive communion. Um, communion is, we do it every week because the Bible says when you come together, do this in remembrance of me. And for me, when, when we come into this place and God speaks, how do we not set ourselves right? Now, the reality is we can do this every day. But as a body, we don't get to do this every day. So we do it as a body. And it says this, the night that Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body that's been broken for you. He said, eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the wine that represented the blood and he said, this blood was spilled for you. He said, when you drink this, remember what I did for you. So it can get in this routine. Oh, we're going to do communion again. We're going to do communion again. We're going to do communion again. I don't want you to, I want you to just take a moment. Before you come up here and receive the, the, the sacraments of the bread and the, the, the juice, I, I want you to examine your heart. And as you come to the cross, this is the beauty. This is the reinstating right here is where you're reinstated. Is when you go to the Father and the cross, you just go, oh God, I, I'm, I'm such an idiot. 
forgive me. Get me back in the game. God, I, I, and the Bible says this. He throws our sins in Isaiah as far as the east to the, to the west and remembers them no more. You let the, I let the enemy beat me up and remember. Remember what you did. Remember what you did. And no, no, no. He, he's like, no, I don't remember because I forgave you. You don't have to walk in condemnation and guilt and all that stuff. You walk in freedom. So as we come and we receive, and, and check your heart. And just come before the cross and just set it right there. And let God do what he wants to do, which is to reinstate you. So that 4,000 might get saved, 3,000 might get saved. Maybe one gets saved. But to that one, all the difference in the world. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.